welcome. Good to be here with you. Good to see who the brave and the strong are to brave the weather and the strong winds and the, and the rain. It's a wonderful thing. Um, we're going to uh, look at God's word to, at the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at chapter 1, verse 35 to 37, where we see some words written there. No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors except Caleb son of Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So with that in our mind, let's just ask the Lord to help us understand that. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we see here following the Lord wholeheartedly. Pray that you'd open our hearts to see what there is to see there. And I pray that your spirit would move within us to enable us to grow in this capacity to serve you wholeheartedly. Amen. And so that's our, really our first question. What does wholeheartedly look like? And as we've already mentioned today, the Olympics have been on and people have uh, been asked after they've won a big event, an Olympic medal, a few questions, but the big question is, what does this mean for you? Now, you don't get an Olympic medal unless you understand wholeheartedly, do you? Because you are wholeheartedly committed to training for many years. And it's, well, those interviews are a good place to see what wholeheartedly looks like to people of the world. And there's a wide range of emotions there, isn't there? Some of these people are leaping out of their skin. Uh, some are crying. Um, and some are talking about the deep satisfaction they have in achieving their goals. But, and the most common answer they say, what does this mean to you? They say, this means everything. Which is a bit sad from a Christian point of view, isn't it? But it, it means everything. And I saw a couple of uh, cyclists... I was, I was very interested in very subdued reaction. Yeah, so I think the plan worked, you know. <laughs> so some people, just not deeply emotive people, but very obviously deeply pleased. Well, that's what it looks like for Olympic people. So what does it look for for Christians? And for Christians, some people say wholeheartedly is like being on fire for the Lord, on fire for the Lord. So I ask you, what does that mean, on fire for the Lord? Does it mean that miracles happen wherever you go? Does it mean that you're speaking in tongues? Does it mean you can walk up to random strangers and start talking about Jesus? Does it mean, oh, I pray for 16 hours a day? Does it mean I'm just this lovable extrovert? Does it mean he's a really strong, dogmatic leader? Does it mean... Oh, this guy I'm on fire for Lord means I've memorized great slabs of scripture. Or does it mean I have dreams and visions regularly? Well, I think scripturally we can say that being on fire for the Lord will have a range of expressions because we are all actually unique, aren't we? It's not going to look the same for all of us because we're all uniquely made. And secondly, did God give us all the same spiritual gifts and talents? No. We will look different according to what you've been given. And there's, it's good to have a bit of a beware message at this point because 
we are who we are and it's very easy to look around at what's happening around and and judge whether a person or a church is on fire for the Lord according to what it means for you to be on fire for the Lord for example the people with an evangelistic gift get upset if the evangelism is not the big thing in the church or people who have gifts of mercy say where's the soup kitchen and and extroverts say we need to have more social events and introverts say we need more prayer retreats so what's a mature church it's allowing people to be who God made them to be and celebrating a diverse range of gifts and allowing people to humbly exercise their ministries and this is a hard one don't expect or force them to be like your ministry but support and nurture and pray for each person in their own giftedness and their own callings and pray that they will be the best redeemed and sanctified version of themselves that they can be and I think that's what on fire for the Lord means but let's come back to Caleb wholehearted Caleb Caleb lived a righteous life he lived an honest life he lived a clean life and a godly life and if we look up that word they use there wholehearted as mole in the uh, Hebrew and the core root meaning of that is to to fill or to be full of it means to consecrate it means to have fully or just fully so Caleb when he followed the Lord wholeheartedly followed him fully he followed him wholly and also there is that word consecration in there so wholeheartedly mole is very often used to mean or to make or declare something sacred you know like you set apart a building for the service of God consecrate a new building and many of us have been to some sort of dedication service where something is set aside to do it and that was Caleb he was set aside he was consecrated his mind and his heart and everything within him was consecrated and given to serving the Lord obeying the Lord glorifying God that was the way Caleb saw what he did in making that decision the issue was well, I belong to God what does God want me to do and there was we're going to go into the promised land it was no brainer for him God said go into the promised land he said all right we go and others might bring up the problems they might bring up the hurdles but Caleb his focus simply obeying and glorifying God simple life is simple you just obey God you've heard that saying God said God said it I believe it that settles it well the simple for Caleb God said it that settles it so he chose the path of complete obedience following God was his one concern it was his overriding purpose in life it was his main pursuit it was his only business in his heart and in his mind he was totally given to this one thing and so are you capturing a bit of Caleb's spirit yet challenges us doesn't it to say is pursuing God's business 
the only thing I'm totally given to, just as Caleb was. Well, let's look into his life, some of the match highlights for Caleb, his life achievements. We find him first in the biblical story coming in in a big way. He comes in as this spy. We see that in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So Caleb was a leader in the tribe of Judah. And what was the task of the spies? Numbers 13, verse 18. The task was, see what the land is like. They were to go in, assess how strong the people were, in both numbers, numerically, and physically, how physically strong they were. They were to go and look and see how fertile the land was. They were going to look around at the towns and see what sort of fortifications they had. And if possible, bring back some fruit. And uh, I've got a little map here of their travels. They come up from the, uh, the south, up through Arad, Hebron, up all the way up to the top and back. A little trip of exploration that took 40 days. They weren't driving uh, <coughs> four-wheel drives then. They were on two-wheel drives. <laughs> so they, went, they came back with the good news and the bad news. The good, it does flow with milk and honey. The bad news, ooh, people are strong. Cities are fortified. There'd be giants. And when that report was delivered, Caleb, what did he say? Got up to talk. And he talked about the good news. Caleb chapter, sorry, Caleb, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people and he said, we should go up, we should take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. Well, what did the other spies think about it? Apparently for them, the glass was half empty. Numbers chapter 1 verse 46 says that some 603,550 men besides the women and the children left Egypt. And after the 10 half-empty spies had spoken, out of all that number there were only three who were positive. Moses and Joshua and Caleb. And those guys were not happy with the other 603,548. Let's see that in Numbers 14, verse 6. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were amongst those who explored the land, tore their clothes, and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, Guys, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Here we sit several thousand years later and it's pretty easy to say, oh, they're a bit wimpy, aren't they? Those uh, 603,000. However, they did have real concerns. Numbers 14, verse 3. Like, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? And our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. So make no mistake, the bravery of Caleb is confidence 
is in the face of real danger. And if you're going to be a Caleb, it will be in the face of real danger. But in the face of real danger, he saw the potential reward. And so his attitude in that situation was, Numbers 1330, his attitude was, we should go up, we should take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So in this constant battle in life that there is between on the one camp entrepreneurs and adventurers and risk takers, and on the other camp you've got the, the occupational health and safety people, the security oriented people, the risk removing people. What does God say about the Caleb spirit on this side? Numbers 14, 24. Uh, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So that attitude of Caleb's, what's it based on? Faith. He believes that God has the capacity to back up his commands with power. He sees God is entirely capable of enabling this invasion. And after all, think about it, they've just been miraculously delivered from Egypt. How many signs have there already been there? So that, God's angry with what those the majority did. And it seems that his feeling that is that these guys are treating him with contempt despite the amazing visible demonstrations that of how powerful he is that they've had and they've had many numbers 14 11 God's got this attitude he says and this is God speaking how long will they refuse to believe me in spite of all the signs I've performed amongst them and we from our point say well look, it's obvious how could they well, now in case you say, well, I only wish God had performed a few signs in front of me, take note, you actually have seen them. You've seen them when you read about them in the Bible. And God is asking the same question of you as he was asking of the Israelis, will you believe what you're seeing? Will you believe that I have the power to back up what I'm asking you to do? God was not happy with those other spies and he was not up happy with the fear wave that went through the people on the basis of their report. He was very angry and praise the Lord for Moses. They had that advocate Moses who was able to step in between God and, and negotiate him for a better solution than the one God had in mind because God was going to just wipe out the whole mob of them. They got talked down by Moses to just... Uh, allow their descendants to go in. He wasn't going to wipe them all out. But there was still a problem in Numbers 14, verse 22. Nevertheless, not one of them who saw my glory and my signs that I performed in Egypt in the wilderness, not one of them who saw all that will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. Indeed, only two will. We see that in Numbers 14, 38, of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived and confirmed in Deuteronomy 1 
no one from this evil generation shall see the land I swore to give their ancestors except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And so Caleb comes through the test of faith with glowing success. His faith in God's capacity is wholehearted and God is delighted with such faith. And so 40 years uh, bumbling around the universe allows that generation to die off. Conquering of the promised land begins. Jo Caleb joins in with the invasion forces and things are progressing nicely along in God's good time. And then comes the day when it's right for Caleb to take up his parcel of land. So if you allow time for the invasions, it's now 45 years after the promise he made to Caleb. Takes him to a sprightly 85 years old. And I don't know how many 85-year-old people can say what Caleb says here. Joshua 14.10 Here I am, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle as now as I was then. Now, folks, 85 years then is the same as 85 years here today, isn't it? And here's someone who's asserting that, that at 85 years of age, none of his competencies have waned. That is a challenge to our conceptions of old age, isn't it? We're all thinking comfy easy chair in the sunroom, superannuation, pensions. Caleb's thinking, oh, I've got a chance to take up my lifelong ambition. I'm going to buy a new farm and I'm going to develop it. I think it's good that Caleb understands that he's able to say that because the Lord has kept him strong and competent. Look at that in Joshua 14.10. Now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses. His wholehearted faith in the Lord has kept him patiently waiting for his promise for 45 years and God has rewarded him by keeping him strong. The message is simple. If God promises you something, he has the complete capacity to make it happen. The complete capacity to make it happen. And so, on the strength of the promise, Caleb goes out to take what the Lord has promised him. He takes his inheritance. We're going to look at that in Joshua 14, verse 12. It goes up to Joshua says, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself have heard that the Anakites were there and their cities are large and they're fortified. But, hey, with the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. So Joshua blessed uh, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. And so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord 
the God of Israel wholeheartedly. And I've got a couple of maps here. There's a, firstly a bigger picture map of, uh, of that inheritance. And then I will zoom in a bit more and you'll see it's the green uh, bit at the bottom. Oh, this is the better, best one there, the green one there. So he did it. He had to overcome obstacles. What did he do about the first obstacle? What did he do about the giants? Joshua 15, 14, from Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahaman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. What did he do about the fortified cities? Joshua 15, verse 15 to 17, from there he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly Kiriath-Sephir. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter exile in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath-Sephir. And Othniel, son of Kezaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter exile to him in marriage. Now, there's an interesting little story here about Caleb and his daughter. And this story, I think, reveals something of his heart as now a leader and as a father in chapter 15 verses 14 to 19 or verse 18 one day she came to Othniel and she urged him to ask her father for a field and when she got off her donkey Caleb asked well what can I do for you she replied do me a special favor since you've given me a land in the Negev Give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs because he had a generous spirit. So Caleb here in this situation is offered his daughter in marriage to Othniel, a war hero who's captured the fortified city of Debir. And in case you might be thinking it's a bit degrading for a woman to be offered as a prize, Perhaps consider it from the point of view of a dad looking out for the best possible man for his precious daughter. What better way of finding someone worthy of his precious little girl than finding someone able to conquer a fortified city? And we see he's still listening to her after marriage when she asks for a favour. And note, it's a very down to earth, she has a very down to earth understanding of reality. She's got a good head on her shoulders. See, so Aksar and Othniel have received an inheritance of pretty dry land. It's desert land down the, those parts of the world and fresh water is needed to make it productive. So she's asking for a very practical, real thing. But Caleb has that generous spirit and he's got it because he's passing on the generosity he's received from God. He doesn't want to keep the best for himself, generously gives them the upper, upper and the lower springs so they'll be set up for life and he's sort of looking out for his daughter too, isn't he? So I hope that you, like me, find encouragement from Caleb's story to stay strong in the Lord and to finish well because that's what he's doing. He's staying strong till he's 85 and he's finishing well. And I, I'm thankful for uh, the... The older people that I come across who, despite 
strengths going away a bit and despite some of the war stories they're still around they're still like Caleb still willing to face giants and if need be still willing to face giants to settle their people safely home to keep building the kingdom of God that encourages me as well I mean last week we had Bill Grosser here and I think he's in his 80s talking about missionary work in India he's still carrying on and his wife wasn't here his equally well seasoned shall we say wife uh, wasn't here because she is in Geraldton at that age talking with members of parliament about freedom of religion issues they're finishing strong like Caleb and as we think about finishing strong like Caleb there will be trials think about it God God had a flood for Noah he had a fire for the three Hebrews Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego he had a lion's den for Daniel he had a cake for the widow a cross for Jesus but there was victory in the midst of trials and there will be victory for us in the midst of trials because we're reminded that God will provide strong support to whatever he calls you to do see that 2 Chronicles 16 9 where it says the eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the whole earth to give strong support to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him friends it's one thing to start good but it's altogether a different thing to keep your fire till your time on earth is in let me finish with an illustration you know the Amazon River starts 112 kilometers away from the Pacific Ocean in the snow-filled Andes of Peru and it travels 6,437 kilometers through Bolivia and Venezuela and Colombia and Ecuador and Brazil before it gets into the Atlantic Ocean starts off with a little small drizzle and then there's 200 streams gradually come together and by the time it comes to Brazil it rushes with great force and the river refuses to die the mouth is 145 kilometers wide and you can see the currents going out you can see the current 322 kilometers out at sea that's Caleb's life living in the currents of God's unstoppable river of life and that can be our life too if we have the wholehearted faith which gives us the courage to obey and move out confidently for whatever God calls you to do. Let's pray. Lord, you have a call upon each of our lives for something. We know what it is. And in this moment, as some of us are drifting away from what we know God has called us to be I pray that you'd infuse us with Caleb's spirit encourage us that wholeheartedly going after what God wants us to do we can rely upon the strength of God the unstoppable river of God's enabling and God's empowering to carry out the commands that he's given to us and let us examine whether 
we're chasing after something you haven't called us to do and, and give us the strength to lay that down that we might re-enter the unstoppable river of God's force all glory be to God it's not us that needs to be strong for we worship a strong God Hallelujah and Amen. And there's no need to be afraid. <laughs>